Lord, we do thank you that your spirit leads us on in the power of your love. And we thank you, Lord, that your love is powerful because you are powerful. And we thank you, Lord, that we cannot be separated from your love because it's unfailing and you are a God who keeps your promises. And so, Lord, we pray that as we open your word right now, that you would anoint the preaching of your word and that you would speak to our hearts again about the power of the love that you have for us, particularly when we're hurting. Speak, Lord, and give us ears to hear. Amen. Well, good morning, friends. Last week we heard a beautiful message through Pastor Jalisa about how our God welcomes and invites us to wrestle with Him, to pour out our questions and our uncertainties, to share our confusion and our fears, to lament before Him the hard and the painful things as an expression of faith in His presence and promises. We heard that Faith reaches out to God from these dark places and grasps a hold of his character, his unfailing covenant love. And we were encouraged that our honesty and our vulnerability in sharing these dark and painful places with God actually creates space for him to work. Well, today we're going to press deeper into one very important aspect of this honesty with God and that's our emotions. We're going to consider the experience of engaging in emotional honesty with ourselves and with God and the vital role that this plays in biblical lament. And we're going to do that by exploring David's prayer to God in Psalm 6. So let's turn there now and let's read David's prayer. Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your wrath. Have mercy on me, Lord, for I'm faint. Heal me, Lord, for my bones are in agony. My soul is in deep anguish. How long, Lord? How long? Turn, Lord, and deliver me. Save me because of your unfailing love. Among the dead, no one proclaims your name, who praises you from the grave. I am worn out from my groaning. All night long I flood my bed with weeping and drench my couch with tears. My eyes grow weak with sorrow. They fail because of all my foes. Away from me, all you who do evil, for the Lord has heard my weeping. The Lord has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord accepts my prayer. All my enemies will be overwhelmed with shame and anguish. They will turn back and suddenly be put to shame. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Friends, about eight years ago, I was involved in a small leadership training event. So we're worshiping the Lord together one evening, and someone shares as a part of worship that they've seen a picture of a lower back. 
So then the group leader asks, has anyone here got low back troubles? And both I and an older woman put up our hands. Well, after asking our permission, they gather around us in small groups and they begin to pray. And the woman leading prayer for me asks, can you say a little bit about how your back's been injured? So I share very briefly about three separate accidents. One of them is a hockey game in which I'm cross-checked with another player's stick in my chest and fall awkwardly onto the ice. And because the padding underneath me has shifted, I land directly on my tailbone. As I describe being unable to walk for three days, taking quite a while to heal, and then finding out years later that my tailbone and hips had been bent sideways and rotated front to back through the injury, she asks me, Have you forgiven the man who cross-checked you? Forgive him, I question. Whatever for, it was a game. Sure, but what have you lost through the injury, she asks. Slowly I began to describe the way in which I look healthy and yet live with near constant pain, the way it affects playing with or carrying my children, the way it's stolen my ability to play sports I love, the hours of sleep I've lost, the embarrassment I have over not being able to lift things that other others my size can lift while doing manual labor. And before I know it, I'm sobbing. So they spend a while praying with and for me, and the Lord doesn't heal my body. And yet the next morning I wake up feeling like the sun is shining more brightly and like I've got a new lease on life. And as I reflect on the events of the night before, the image, the prayers, the tears, and yet no physical healing, I say to God, What was that all about? And in my spirit, I hear the spirit whisper. You haven't cried since you came home from China. You have so much grief over leaving and over losing a baby. And it's all been stuffed down. I want to draw it out and heal you. Thank you, Lord, I say. It feels good. I feel good. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm begin, I'm left to begin processing not only my grief, but to wonder why I've kept it stuffed down so deep. Why I've not been even allowing myself to feel it. One of my reasons? It hurts to hurt. Like a child rapidly withdrawing their hand from a hot stove, I run from my own painful emotions because it hurts to touch or feel them. It seems preferable to rationalize them away, to comfort myself with the the goodness of God and to exhort myself to keep trusting Him, both of which are really good things. But when I do these things without letting myself feel what's really there, pressing down what's really present or rationalizing pain away, then I'm participating in a form of denial that can lead to what we might call spiritual schizophrenia, where I separate off parts of myself that hurt, keeping them far from the Lord. And I'm not following the life-giving pattern laid out for me in Scripture. 
the pattern of emotional honesty and emotional vulnerability, a pattern of pouring out my heart before God. Trust in the Lord at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to Him, says David in Psalm 62. And that's exactly what we see Him doing here in Psalm 6. Pouring out His heart before the Lord with a raw vulnerability that, quite honestly, I believe makes many of us squirm. I'm faint, Lord. My bones are in agony. My soul is in anguish. That means my mind, my emotions, they're in turmoil. They're all over the place. I'm buffeted by fear and anxiety and confusion. I'm worn out from groaning. Can you picture him? Can you hear him? Oh, God. Oh, oh. I'm worn out from groaning, he says. My eyes grow weak with sorrow. All night long I flood my bed with weeping and drench my couch with tears. You can see him pacing back and forth one to the other. There's no rest anywhere. It's just sorrow upon sorrow, faint, agonized, anguish, groaning, weak with sorrow, and crying his eyes out uncontrollably. Friends, this is not the picture of someone who's composed who's got it all together, who's maintained a dignified equilibrium as he thinks his way through to a solution. No, this is a picture of a man who's a mess, a tear-soaked, heart-shattered, agonized mess. David is absolutely broken. That's exactly the place that none of us wants to be. It's a place that we run from, that we dread, and rightly so. It hurts to hurt. And so when our hearts try to present us with the how longs that Pastor Jalisa named last week, some of us become aware of feelings bubbling beneath the surface, but say, I don't have the emotional energy to deal with this right now. I'm scared. I might become overwhelmed by emotions. And we push them away. Some of us have an awareness that things aren't right, that feelings don't seem to come easy or often. And so we simply keep on keeping on, engaging in activities that bring life, trying to do the right things, but ignoring what's lurking beneath. Even good work, like serving others, can be a means of avoiding what hurts. Some of us believe that painful emotions, which we've wrongly termed negative feelings, are to be avoided at all cost. We don't recognize emotions as created by God, gifted by God, redeemed by God. And because it hurts to hurt, we hide in our thoughts, deeming them much safer. Some of us just can't be bothered to consider our feelings. We'd rather escape to the woods or the lake, into games or news or online. We're either too lazy or perhaps too stubborn to consider that God desires our obedience here too. Come to me, 
all you who are weary and burdened. Pour out your hearts to him, O people. Cast all your cares upon him. Others of us have never had a safe place to feel and express emotion. We've never had emotional honesty or vulnerability modeled for us. Perhaps our parents or grandparents modeled explosive emotions that could never be talked about. Or perhaps they feared emotion and shut it down as though any display of emotion equates weakness. Not true. It hurts to hurt. And so all of us are adept at devising ways to avoid pain, whether it's a disappointing season of life, a disappointing moment of the day, a disappointing interaction with someone we love. It just doesn't come natural for us to spend any length of time listening to our own hearts, becoming aware of what's in them and bringing these feelings to God. But what doesn't get shared with God gets separated from God. Not that God doesn't know about it. Of course, he knows all things. But God isn't welcome to come near it with his comfort, his hope, his truth. One psychologist says, The vast majority of mental health struggles can be traced back to trying to avoid pain. Depression experts tell us the same thing, that refusing to acknowledge, process, and deal honestly with painful feelings, stuffing them, makes us prime candidates for going numb and beginning to experience depression. And friends, what is so amazing about this psalm and others like it is that in them, our loving Heavenly Father is providing us with a model for emotional honesty and vulnerability with God that brings healing and hope, a model of faith. Yes, David is a picture of brokenness, but he is also a picture of faith of strong faith, because it takes faith to be honest with oneself and with God. It takes faith to reach out and express and open up and be vulnerable about hard things, even to God. So David first pours out all of his pain, and then he says, Turn, Lord, and deliver me. Save me because of your unfailing love. In other words, he's saying, I'm clinging to your chesed, that beautiful loaded word we learned about last year that means unfailing covenant love and is rooted in the character of God as a promise-keeping God and Father who can be trusted at all times. David's latching on to God's character with fierce determination and saying, Oh God, all this pain... All that I'm feeling and experiencing, it's not matching up with what you promised and with what who you are. And so I'm calling on you from this pit, and I believe you're going to deliver me. Friends, this is strong faith. 
that allows itself to be a mess. It is strong faith that allows itself to feel the feels and name them to God. And yet from that place of truth, of emotional honesty about what one's feeling and experiencing, to reach out to God boldly. What I want us to hear this morning is that this pattern of raw emotional honesty and vulnerability with God isn't just David's example. It's a pattern we see all through the scriptures. When Isaiah announces that Hezekiah's illness will end in death, Hezekiah turns his face to the wall and prays to the Lord, Remember, Lord, how I've walked before you with faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and have done what's good in your eyes. And Hezekiah weeps bitterly before the Lord. When Hannah is unable to conceive, the text says, In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. When David returns to find his hometown sacked and his family taken away, David and all his men weep aloud until they have no strength left to weep. And then David strengthens himself in the Lord. When the author of Hebrews wants to discuss why Jesus is such a perfect high priest or representative on our behalf, he says, among other things, during the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears. Cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Weeping and pleading, fervent cries and tears, a pattern of raw emotional honesty with God that clings to him in faith. This kind of faith, friends, is a faith that takes God at his word It's a kind of faith that believes God when he says he's redeeming all things and it holds him to it. This kind of faith is gutsy, it's raw, it's messy, and yet it is vibrantly alive. This faith that cries out to God, that pours out pain when it's really there, and difficulty without trying to sanitize it, and yet clings to God's promises, this faith is what provides the context for the Holy Spirit to minister. You'll notice, as you read slowly and carefully, that just like last week, there's a significant pause in the prayer, a break between verses. Last week in Psalm 13, it was between verse 4 and 5. This week, it's between verse 7 and 8. There's a shift that takes place between these verses. In this space... David moves from pouring out pain to speaking words of faith and hope. There's pregnant silence here. The Holy Spirit is brooding over David, working in his heart and mind. And so after the pouring out of the pain and the sorrow, David waits like a cup that's just been emptied to be filled again. In place of the poured out lament comes poured in hope.
from the God of all hope and truth from the one who is true. David rises and here begins to speak strong, faith-filled words. Away from me, all you who do evil, for the Lord has heard my weeping. The Lord has heard my cry for mercy and the Lord accepts my prayer. There's a certainty in his voice as he commands his enemies and God's to back away. God has been present to him. There's been a transaction, an outpouring of grief, followed by an infusion of hope. David rises from prayer and speaks into the spirit realm around him, announcing what will take place as God moves in response to his prayer. He's so sure that he now declares it prophetically, all my enemies will be overwhelmed with shame and anguish. They will turn back and suddenly be put to shame. The man who began in brokenness and agony stands strong again in the Lord and in his strength. And he's strong precisely because he's poured out his pain to the Lord, opened his heart to the Lord, and received fresh strength and assurance from him. Friends, this is the gift of lament, of emotional honesty with the Lord, whatever the disappointment, whatever the pain, whichever of the how long questions Pastor Jaleesa named last week that we're asking, whether it's wrestling over loneliness or unfulfilled longing, depression or fears that we're battling, sinful desires or feelings of shame we're resisting, agony over children or grandchildren we're feeling, whether it's a broken heart for someone across the kitchen table or across the world, we have this amazing gift in Jesus Christ that we can bring everything to him in prayer and that in the bringing he offers exchange. Just as he carried our sins and our failures on his shoulders at the cross, so now he continues to offer to bear our grief. Cast all your anxiety upon him, says Peter, because he cares for you. He cares for you. The freest, most joyful people are not the people who have the least amount of pain or hard things. They are the people who welcomed God openly into all of their pain and disappointment and hard things and who experience his presence with them in that place. They are the people who've discovered that emotional honesty with ourselves and then with God invites and allows God to shine the light of his presence everywhere within us and then through us. They are the people who've discovered what a friend we have in Jesus and that in bringing all things to him, 
we receive strength from him to stand and in his name to speak truth over our lives and those for whom we are praying, to prophetically announce God's kingdom and tell God's enemies fear and control, despair and unbelief and all manner of evil to depart from our lives and the lives for whom we're praying, to stand in the certainty that our Lord and our friend Jesus will turn, will deliver, will save, because his chesed, his unfailing covenant love, never changes. The Lord is good, and his love endures forever. Say it with me, friends. The Lord is good, and his love endures forever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you've promised us. Your word says nothing can separate us from your love. Nothing in all creation. And yet we've become aware again this morning that functionally we often can feel separate, whether for a moment or a season, because we close you off and don't allow you into our pain. We don't bring our pain fully to you. And so this morning we're hearing you, Father, say how deeply you love us, how much you want to hear what we have to share and to say, how you long for us to pour out our pain and our lament to you, and how you want to meet us in that place to strengthen, to heal, to encourage, to comfort. And so, Lord, we ask for your help. We ask for your help. Give us courage to to be present to our own hearts to feel what we're feeling, to feel again for those of us who don't, to stumble awkwardly as we may and bring these things to you and to grow in being able to just pour them out to you unsanitized, just to pour it out, but also to wait upon you in that moment and to receive from you all that you have to give for you are faithful and you are good and you never, ever leave us. We thank you and we praise you. We love you, Lord. Amen. Friends, let's sing this song of response. What a friend we have in Jesus. And uh, if this version or if this song is new to you, I invite you just to join in as you are able.